hello and welcome to The View from the Lane, our Tottenham Hotspur podcast from The Athletic. My name's Jack Pitbrook and I'm joined as always by James Moore and Charlie Ackleshare. Um, it's been a pretty long feeling international break. James, you must have been itching for a new Spurs game after the last one. Yeah, I mean, it. I, can't, I couldn't work out whether that was well-timed or not. I think I, in a way it probably is actually to have to have that as like the, the kind of finale of that in, incredible run of matches over the last month or the first month of the season. Um, to end that on a high note, I think is pretty good. But yeah, you're right. It, it's kind of frustrating as a fan to to see a game like that and to be excitedly, you know, waiting for Bale to come into the team and see if it gets even more ludicrously incredible uh, and then have to wait for two weeks of international football, which I think at this time of year is never really that much fun. Yeah, it's a bit of a vibe killer, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, you know, with all due respect to countries like Scotland and Northern Ireland who uh, have, have taken quite big strides towards qualifying for the Euros in this uh, in this window. I mean, for me, I'm just not, I'm just not fussed by it. I, I mean, I, for, for obvious logistical reasons, I think it's been quite a badly timed international break. I mean, not quite as badly timed as someone in September, um, but the, the number of uh, cases of COVID we've seen players. Uh, pick up in the last couple of weeks is pretty incredible. I think Liverpool in particular have been stung quite hard by that. Um, so yeah, it does seem like it's sort of a bit of an unnecessary thing. Do you think it feels longer, James, the fact that it's coming off the back of like Spurs' best result in the last few years? Does it mean you've, you're kind of desperate to get, to, I was going to say, to get back out there or for Spurs to get back out there? <laughs> to get back out there in front of my TV and watch another yeah. game on TV, Are you desperate yeah. to get back out there in front of your TV or are you just sat at home happily I mean, playing I, the goals? I, I mean, I'm literally just sat in the seat that I'll be watching the game in on Sunday right now. Um, yeah, How many times I, I do you watch the goals? I have watched it back. What I've watched, what I've watched more of is uh, I, I've indulged in a bit of... Um, oh, what's his name? The, the Manchester United YouTuber. Is it Mark Gold Goldbridge? Bridge. Yeah. Not Who, his real name, apparently. No, I, know, well, I, I don't want to reference 442 again, but we had him in 442. Interviewed him 442. Don't ask. Um, and yeah, he's like, a, he's like someone, he's like 40 and he's got like kids and stuff. And he's every Saturday afternoon, he sat in front of the internet, like crying because Manchester United are terrible. So I've watched that a couple of times because I find that hilarious. Um, I actually, and I know this has become a bit of a cliche, but I haven't really watched the goals back that many times because I find it quite weird without fans it it kind of feels a bit flat for obvious reasons um like you like you're watching kind of training goals yeah a bit yeah or like you know some kind of pre-season friendly or whatever but like, mm. you, can, you know imagine if, if Spurs had won 6-1 at Old Trafford with fans in there and you could like you know if there were kind of fan filmed videos and stuff but I think yeah, those yeah, are always yeah. the best ones of big wins like ones that have been filmed from the from the crowd where you can hear people's like immediate and natural reactions to the goals and stuff um those are the kind of things I always look out for after a big game. And obviously we've, we've kind of been denied that uh, over the last six months, which is a, in this instance, a massive shame. Uh, so yeah, I, I have watched the goals back a few times, Jack, and it is nice that all the goals are on YouTube now. So I, I can see them uh, with Martin Tyler's commentary. That like basking in, um, in games and goals is one of the things like during lockdown, because obviously not going to games and that sort of thing, I've watched, you know, far more at home. So my wife's kind of, belatedly got got into football a bit more but and she, she'll happily watch games with me but one thing she does find bizarre is that we'll watch a game 
And then I'll be like, oh, yeah, I just want to, you know, I want to watch the relevant section on match of the day. I just want to kind of w- watch the goals again and again. It's kind of like, but you, you've seen them. It's like, yeah, I know. But like, I want to hear people talk about them in a different way. Uh, and it, it like it, when you actually step outside and think about it, it is weird how much time we spend. But that's it's, it's almost one of the best things about being a fan is when you have won a game and you know you, you're just going to spend the next day reading everything about it, watching them again and again. Uh, one of One of life's great pleasures. Right now, we're offering you the opportunity to subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month. You can enjoy all of our great articles on Spurs and so much more. This offer is running for a limited time only, so go to theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod to sign up and read all of our pieces on Gareth Bale as he gets set to make his second debut this weekend. That's theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod and pay just £1 per month. It feels a bit weird now because Spurs obviously had eight games in that three-week period and now they've gone into two weeks off before the next very busy stage. Charlie, is there anything you can tell us about what's like, what's been going on at Spurs in that time or who's who's been around? Because they have published some videos on... Spurs did pub- publish a video on their Twitter page the other day, didn't they, of training with the pe- players who were still there. Yeah, the most exciting thing has been Bale... Um you know apparently training extremely well and um you know everyone being really impressed and a, a bit in awe i think of him coming back and spurs released a pretty cool uh video of him just you know, smashing <laughs> goals into the corners poor joe hart felt a little bit like the full guy and all of that uh so that's probably been um <laughs> been one of the more uh kind of exciting bits of these two weeks but you know as, as james was saying you, you've feeling on scraps a little bit because having had so many games and you know such exciting wins you are just desperate for matches that's probably been the big thing and then you know that a bunch of the players have been away so some of the players not that you know quite a few um haven't you know you think there are guys like Lucas Moura who you know, doesn't really get picked internationally and that saves you know some potentially quite big uh travel that's a bit of a pain for clubs at this time of year especially within the context of covid and 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 those risks and then you've had players you know on international duty um including some you know tottenham targets that will probably come on to him with joe roden playing for wales with ben davis um so talk of agent ben uh and that kind of thing but yeah i mean a fairly quiet couple of weeks actually at hotspur away but i think that will be a bit of a relief uh, for Mourinho given how crazy that schedule was. And now, you know, they go into something approaching vague normality. I mean, it's still, it's basically a Europa League game every match week for the next six, which is extreme, but you'd quite often have it where you either had a Champions League game or a League Cup game in pretty much all the midweeks of this time. So it's not that abnormal. Um, But yeah, a chance, I guess, for players to rehabilitate a bit and recover from such an intense period. So the big story is going into the West Ham game this Sunday afternoon at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium is whether or not Gareth Bale will play. This was the game that had initially been penciled in in his return, Charlie. Can we expect to see Bale back on Sunday? Yeah, expect him to be involved. Then it's just a question of whether he'll start. Um, And... In the mailbag uh, that I did for yesterday, answering readers' questions, that was one of them, you know, whether he should start. Um, And, you know, I made the point that I think, and and I think I said this on um, the pod a a week ago, you know, I do do think one of the things that's been really good about 
this resurgence under Mourinho is this idea of a meritocracy and players, if they're playing well, they'll keep the shirt. And so it's a real test of that um, this weekend because, you know, if let's say Lamella's available and he has played really, really well, I think, in the last few weeks, does he automatically go out because Bale's now fit? Or do you say, okay, even uh, Gareth Bale... Uh, he has to start on the bench and then kind of earn his place. I suspect as well the fact that Bale's coming back from an injury um, might mean it makes sense for him to start on the bench as well. But I, I think it, it raises an interesting debate as to, you know, at what point do you make an exception for someone who's clearly so good? And you, and a reader made the point, which is a really good one, of the Champions League final when obviously Lucas Moura literally scored a hat-trick in the semi-final um, couldn't really have done a whole lot more, but then Kane's available, so he gets dropped for the final. And whether that's you know just you know fair game because you're talking about someone that good. Uh, so we'll see whether Bell gets the start. I, I, I don't know what you guys think. I mean, do you think he should just go go straight back in because he's Gareth Bale and you know so so good? I think the thing that will work against him in that regard is that the two players who feasibly would play on the right would be Lamella and Luke. The other two players, I should say be Lamella and Lucas and obviously they've both been at the training ground for the last two weeks rather than playing two or three international matches so it's not like he's going to be replacing a player who who otherwise maybe would be like rotated out on the basis of having travelled and played loads of football in the last couple of weeks I kind of agree with you Charlie I, I think it makes sense for him to start on the bench I don't think you know I mean this is a testament to how strong the squad is and assuming nothing terrible happens to Kane uh, in the England game this evening I think they can probably do without Bale in the starting eleven. You would hope if, if Son and Kane are fit, and obviously you've got Lacelso and uh, you know Lamella or Lucas and whoever else in the team, you know Hoiberg and uh, and Dombele, presumably. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think they'll be absolutely desperate, or they shouldn't be absolutely desperate to throw him in. I think it makes perfect sense for him to be on the bench and to play, you know, 30, 30 40 minutes in the second half if if needed. Um, give him a bit of a run out and let him kind of ease his way back in. I mean, let's not forget, you know, he's not played much football in the last six or seven months, really, because I don't think he played loads after the restart, did he? So it's it's not like he's kind of entirely sharp, I don't think. I, I mean, as as well as it sounds like he's been doing in training, it doesn't, you know, that, that never compares to actually playing a good competitor match in the Premier League. So I think touch wood, they should be in the position, the kind of luxurious position of being able to kind of ease him in rather than rushing him. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, you know, he's obviously assuming he is fit, you know, fairly soon. He he will be starting regularly. So I don't think there's, yeah. you know, I don't think anyone's suggesting like, no, Gareth Bale won't become a regular this season. But it is just yeah. about, you know, there's no huge rush. And I think it sends out a good message at the moment if, uh, you know, those players who played so well in not just a 6-1 win against United, which in and of itself is amazing, but also played well in the in the weeks uh, before as well, keep their place. I, mean, I think that's yeah, um, exactly. I think that's a good thing. I mean, look, as you say, there, there are those six Europa League games in the next seven midweeks, I think it is. So there, there are loads of matches, there'll be loads of opportunities for everyone to play in theory. Bale's last two games were for Wales in the early September international break, which if they were like the games that any, played anywhere else during that break would have been very, very slow, kind of gentle training games. His last competitive his last competitive game at club level was Real Madrid beat Mallorca 2-0 on the 24th of June. So that's four, that's pretty much four months ago. So I think it makes total sense to ease him in gently. Like, I think like everyone, I'm, a, I'm very excited to see Bale back 
back for Tottenham. But it doesn't make. I don't think it necessarily makes sense to start him on Sunday when, like you say, like he he could not start on Sunday. Then he could start against LASK Linz next Thursday or Burnley the following Monday or Antwerp away the following Thursday or. You know, then the Brighton at home. You know, it's an incredibly busy time. There's tons of games, and like you say, Spurs do have the luxury of having this really big squad, uh, which means they can rotate as and when is appropriate, and they don't need to worry about rushing Bale back in. Which is a really good position. It's much better if you're if you're trying to reintegrate a player or trying to integrate a new player like this. It's much better to do so from a position of strength, like when you're winning games and you've got a big squad and you can do it on your own terms rather than forcing him to play and risking him getting an injury. Completely. Just on that big squad, who just thinking about the 18 for Sunday, there are going to be some pretty big players, probably not selected. I mean, who would be your 11s and bench if if you were Mourinho? Wow, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, you wouldn't want to deviate too much from that Manchester United team, would you? I don't think. I mean, maybe Lascelles is the one who comes in, I guess. But uh, you know, I don't. I don't think you're going to be <laughs> necessarily even be desperate to chuck him back in the team on the basis of how they played in that game. Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. You, you almost want to keep it unchanged. The, the Celso, I guess, because you are playing a, a deep line defence, you, you probably do want someone like him um, to help unlock it. But there, yeah, I mean, you, even with that, I mean, there are so many players to competing for those spots on the bench. I mean, if you think you're going to have Hart, Doherty probably on the bench, um, Davis again, um do you, do you have a scent out of Vera, out of Irod? So yeah, that's interesting. Actually, I mean, I, I reckon you probably, but that leaves then you probably wouldn't have the right back on the bench. I think because because all of I mean, in theory, all of Irod or Dyer could play right back. In theory, like, they have both played there before, right? Yeah, exactly. So you know, if you have Davis, he can also possibly play centre back if you need to change system or whatever. Yeah, I'm just thinking in terms of like flexibility and like the options you give yourself on the bench. So having all of Irod so, and Davis on the bench would probably be the logical too of the defenders. Yeah, right. yeah, and then and then what? Sissoko, I mean, Sissoko. If Lacelso comes in for him, if if you go with that midfield yeah. of Hoybier, Lacelso, and Dombele, then what? Sissoko and Winks. You'd probably be say one or other of those two. I mean, you've got Deli Deli Alley again. I mean, you know. <laughs> then you've got. I mean, you've got so many up because you've also then yeah you've got Deli. Yeah, you've Bale, got you have one of Lamella and Lucas who don't play, and Bale, and, and Vinicius, and Bergwijn. And Vinicius, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. So, you, you, yeah, you're going to have to make. He's going to have to make some some big names are getting dropped from even the squad. Yeah, I do think Spurs have got the. I, I'd have to double check this, but off the top of my head, I think Spurs have got the best second eleven in the country. Like, if you look at if you look at the if you look at their first eleven, who they could put out, and then draw up a second eleven of the other players. I don't think many of their big six rivals have as much strength and depth as Tottenham do. And that's not to say mm-hmm. I think Tottenham have got the best squad in the country because I don't, but. In terms of like the number of options they have as backups, I think they're in a really, really strong position. And that is going yeah. to be invaluable given all the games they've got to play and all the rotation that, that they're going to have to do. It'll be interesting. I mean, uh, um, one of the questions I couldn't actually get to, unfortunately, there were so many really good questions um, that were asked that, that formed the mailbag, was whether you go down the route of having like a separate Europa League and a Premier League team, which obviously Spurs can do because the quality is so good. You know, whether you almost offset the supposed disadvantage of being in the Europa League by actually saying, well, we're not really. We're just going to have a Premier League team and then a team that plays midweek. And I I think that makes sense. I think the problem with that is it can create a bit of a divide in the squad with almost like a midweek team and then a sense of like, well, what's the point if I can't 
get that promotion. So it'll be interesting to see how fluid that is and how many changes he makes, say, for the Linz game um, on Thursday week. I mean, the other thing there is obviously you're going to get injuries as well over the course yeah, of the next sure. three months, yeah. right? I mean, you're going to lose players, you know, and it, and it's it's never going to be it's, it's never going to be a case of you losing like one right back and one central midfielder. You know, you'll end up losing two players in the same position at some point and having mm. to do something stupid. I mean, that that just be that's just the way it goes in football, isn't it? Yeah, but even they've even got a bit more than two players for every position overall. I yeah, think midfield, you know, you got people like Gedson who we haven't even mentioned. Exactly, you know, yeah, like young players like Serkin who. I think ideally you're going to want to give some minutes to over the next couple of months, aren't you? Somewhere along the line. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. All this talk about Gareth Bale's debut got me thinking back to Gareth Bale's first debut for Tottenham. Now, this came in August 2007. Uh, James, can you? how much can you remember about this? Or have you looked uh, it up already? No, no, I haven't looked it up because you said we were going to do a quiz, so I didn't want to cheat. Okay. Um, so, I saw, was I supposed to be pretending I didn't know the no, quiz was coming? It's fine. Don't worry. It's not a spoiler. I don't want to so, like an off So basically, this was a 1-0 loss this. to Manchester United. It was... Okay. Mu- I'm sure, I'm sure there was some controversy and Spurs got pied by the referee. I'm, I'm almost certain of that. I remember watching this game in a pub in Edinburgh and having a uh, quite heated argument about why I thought David Beckham should start for England and someone was arguing me why he thought Sean Wright Phillips should start. And I, I remember that, oh, wow. that was kind of going on in the I think I watched background. this game at the house of a girl I worked with. I worked at B&Q at the time. And I think it was the first time I ever played on the Nintendo Wii. <laughs> wow, that's really good. Wow. Th- those are two incredibly well dated. Yeah, I know. 2000, yeah. 2007 bits of They're memory. So 2007. You are, you, so you're talking about the Wii or me, or me working at B and Q? Uh, no, I'm talking about the Wii and the Beckham okay. versus Sean Wright Phillips debate. Okay, fine. Because that would have been what early on in Capello? No, no, it was, it was not, McLaren. No, the, the end the, of the McLaren. dog days of McLaren. Yeah, the very so Sean Wright Phillips was quite good in that in that period. I'm seeing him scoring a few goals lately in that little kind of. I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to go down this route again. It, it, you know, it, it ruined that uh, United Spurs game. Then I can't let it do it now. But I, it was at that period where England had just, or they were about to have a couple of quite decent results that made it look like they were going to qualify for the Euros, and then obviously it all went wrong with Wally and the yeah, Brolly. When they, they beat that. Russia, didn't they? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Was it three nil? Three nil. Yeah, I watched that in a bar in Barcelona, and we all know who scored the goals for Russia in Moscow, right? Pav. Super Pav. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was. Um, God, I get kind of, I get kind of sad thinking back to like watching games in the pub and yeah, on holiday and everything. That what I wouldn't to give to sit in a pub and argue about Beckham and Sean Wright Phillips. <laughs> I mean, you still can do that, by the way. You just had to leave at ten o'clock. True, yeah, yeah. You had to end the <laughs> argument by ten p.m. So uh, August two thousand seven, fourth game of the two thousand seven eight season. Martin Yol's manager, uh, Tottenham went to Old Trafford. I was going to say this was like absolutely peak Manchester United, but neither Rooney nor Ronaldo started in this game. Uh, Kent, this was not the only Bale's... were top of the pops. <laughs> <laughs> this was not only Gareth Bale's first Sorry, start. Can, for can I just interrupt? Can, can we find out who was top of the charts and can Tom play it in the background while we do this? <laughs> I bet it wasn't the Claxons, although it should have no, been. It definitely won't have been. They were they were big around that time. Yeah, it definitely feels yeah. like peak sort of uh, new summer road, of 2007. Mark new Ronson, rave, huge. Uh, Sunshine Underground, um, CSS, 
uh, who else was I, who who I into then? Um, God. Actually, that summer I saw Kings of Leon, I remember. Well, uh, when was, when, was that have been the sort of Sex on Fire album at all? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, it wasn't, yeah. no. Sex on Fire was the year after. That was yeah, 2008. Yeah. It was before um, they were terrible. It was, it was a bit before. I can't even, I'm trying to think what, what bands I would have seen in 2007. James, you'll be good on this. I mean, Arctic Monkeys were very big by then, weren't they? It, f- it feels like that was Arctic Monkeys are definitely, yeah, yeah. That would have been Arctic Monkeys' second album, I think, 2007. Yeah, probably. Yeah, just lots of like, it was kind of the, the last the last stage of the, the last kind of, of en- en- yeah. NME indie scene. Actually, 2007 would be the height of Landfill Indie, really, I guess. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, the Wombats, the Paddingtons, all that stuff. That I, all, <laughs> that stuff that I sti- all that stuff that I still listen to all the time. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Uh, so Tottenham's first 11 from that game, including a young Gareth Bale. Let's see how you do. Take it in turn, say some names, and uh, okay. well, there's, some, I, I, there's some easy ones and some hard ones. I reckon Robbo must have been in goal. Yes, Robbo. Yeah. Banks won early. Um, I'm going to try and write out the team. Yeah, I'm going to do this as well. I'm, my frame of reference is, I'm kind of thinking that League Cup, because it was the year that Spurs won the League oh, Cup. Yeah, so I'm yeah, trying to think yeah. who, Good who uh, I, Well, I'm going to work through positionally, and I'm going to say Pascal Chimbonda. Yes. That was one of mine. Yeah. Um, Michael Dawson? No, Dawson did not <gasps> play. How, how are we doing this? Are we just going to carry on? Because that feels like Yeah, a there's no a... point in stopping it now. Okay, fine. <laughs> uh, Ledley King? No, Ledley King did not play. Wow. He, he only started four league games that season. God, so they didn't have King or Dawson at centre-backs. Nope. Uh, Kabul? Nope. It's a very, very ropey-looking centre-back part. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but sorry. it might only concede one. Yeah. Which was a wonder the... goal by Nani, um, if I remember. Um, Ricardo Rocha. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely the most enthusiastic I've been about hearing that name. <laughs> one of his only four league starts that season. Wow. Uh, Lee Young-Pyo? Yes. A left-back? Oh, good. Yep. So you need one uh... more centre-back. I think he should have played at centre back. Callum Davenport. Ah, I'll give you a clue. He's English. Oh, um, Gardner. Yes, Gardner. Oh. Well done, and also well done for not saying Jonathan Woodgate, who would have been an obvious answer, but not a correct answer. <laughs> Thank you. Gardner also has one England cap, I think. Has he got an England cap? I yeah, I think he's a one cap wonder. Two thousand and four. Oh, very good. Or was that Denmark? Yeah. Oh, maybe it was Denmark. You might be right, actually. This is fantastic. Yeah, great content. Three more midfielders, guys, not including Gareth Bale. Uh, Tom Huddleston. Uh, Genus. Aaron Lennon, I guess. Ooh. Uh, can I jump forward and say Berbatov? Can I jump forward and say Robbie Keane? So we have one player left. One player left. I'll give you okay, a clue. I know, I know what my guess is, Charlie. Go. Oh, am I getting a clue? No, don't give him a clue, because I think I know who it is. Don't give him a clue. No, because I, th- I think, because James seemingly come up with an answer, I'm not going to give him the clue. Jay, I think this is positionally odd, but uh, uh, it, is, it feels right. Say who you think. Steve Malbronk. It is Steve Malbronk. Uh, yeah. Amazing. And that one. makes it a five-all tie. You've got five correct answers each. Wow. So, uh, Adel Torap came on in the second half. 
Spurs wow. lost 1-0 and Yol was sacked a few weeks later. Good times. Or not, really. Elsewhere, Charlie, uh, coming up to the end of this very, very long transfer window, which I feel has been going on since... When did Chelsea sign Timo Werner? Like May, June? Oh, God, yeah. That was the start of the transfer window, basically. And But we're, we're nearly through the end of it. It's been, what, about four months. Is there anything we can expect ins or outs at Tottenham? Just just on that, though, I am waiting. I feel like every transfer window, you think it's over, and then it'll be like, but the Chinese window is actually open <laughs> until May. And it's like, fuck <laughs> off. Just end. Um, but <laughs> I'm assuming we don't have any more curveballs thrown after this Friday. The main thing, and we are expecting this to happen, is Joe Roden from Swansea. So... This, um, Stu James actually first reported this on the original transfer deadline day, so last Monday. Um, And at that point, uh, our understanding was that the clubs were, you know, way apart on their valuations. And and that was the case, and I think has remained the case. But there is confidence that a compromise will be reached. And obviously, there are ways to compromise as well with things like add-ons. There's the possibility that Roden could go back um, on loan. I'm not saying that's necessarily going to happen, but that's the sort of thing that you can negotiate. It's going to go down to the wire, though, because Swansea need to bring in or want to bring in a couple of centre-backs if, if he is going to go. Um, they play three three at the back, so they kind of feel they need to be well-stocked there. But it is some, it is a deal that looks like happening, and it's an exciting one. Um, he's really well thought of. Um, and it is an area where uh, Mourinho's wanted to strengthen. He He's right-footed, but prefers to play on the left um, if he's in a pair, so that's good news because most of uh, Tottenham centre-backs to prefer to play on the right. Um, so it feels like potentially another really, really good signing. Um, he, you, you've watched him a bit, haven't you, James, and, and been impressed? Yeah, I've seen him a couple of times and thought he's looked very good. I mean, I, my preference based really on, a, on an athletic article written by Tom Warbill a couple of months ago, was that was that uh, Spurs were signing a left-footed centre-back. But actually, mm. there seems to be a bit, of a, a bit of a dearth of those at the moment. So, yeah, I think a right-footer who prefers to play on the left definitely, definitely makes sense. And as you say, I mean, he's done very well in the Championship um, and at international level of Wales as well. Although I don't think he was particularly brilliant against England. Um so yeah, I, I definitely can. You can definitely see the merits of that as one for the future, um, and someone you don't need to rush into the team straight away. Yeah, it's kind of a bit of a shame that he wouldn't be able to play in the European matches because that kind of feels like a logical, mm. a logical progression for him to kind of play against, you know, Antwerp or whoever. I think it would be a good deal if they can get it done for a decent price. Charlie, can we expect anything in terms of departures? Well, possibly. I mean, Cameron Carter-Vickers, centre-back, is someone Tottenham are happy to let go. Uh, there is interest in him from championship clubs. So it's a question of whether anything can done, can be done there. Jack Clark, my understanding, there was talk of him going out on loan. Uh, I wouldn't 100% rule it out, but my understanding is that he will stay. That's certainly the situation at the moment we, as we record on Wednesday. I mean, it's so fluid and fast-moving that you know that may change. And then there's Danny Rose, um, and we've you know written on this that he will only go if he feels it's an offer he wants. You know, he's on a good contract at Spurs. Uh, he's happy to stay until January and reassess then, or even see out his contract, which expires next summer. Um, you know, and it feels like a bit of a sad way for it all to end for Rose and Tottenham, but that's the situation that we're in. Um, but yeah, so I wouldn't expect really too much else on the um, on the departure front. Obviously, it's only 
uh, EFL clubs who can buy. So it's quite a narrow portion of the Spurs squad that would really be kind of applicable there. But yeah, we'll see. De- another deadline day on Friday. The big story really across football the last week or so has been Project Big Picture, which is Rick Parry, Liverpool and Manchester United's idea to change really the whole structure of English football to give more, much more power to nine Premier League teams, but at the same time to give a lot of more money to EFL clubs who desperately need it. This is um, There's a Premier League meeting on this today, so it's, it's Wednesday as we're recording this. Um, Charlie, any word from Tottenham on their stance on this? No, I mean, nothing public. Uh, they've been pretty tight-lipped on it. I mean, <laughs> clearly, this could be very, very beneficial for them. And it's almost ideal in, a, in the PR sense in that they're not the ones driving it or looking like the bad guys. But, you know, a system that entrenches them almost at the top of the game um, is going to be favorable and it, and it's kind of amazing you know they are they've established themselves in this big six bracket and i think that does speak to how they've kind of transformed themselves over the last 10 or so years and that is a credit to the way they've been run but yeah i mean you know as you say we're recording this just before the meeting the meeting may throw up um some things that that make it a bit more explicit what their what their stance is um but yeah for the moment uh yeah, they've been keeping their cards close to their chest, so to speak. Put it this way, I'd be surprised if Daniel Levy didn't support this. Um, I think it would feel part, very counterintuitive, wouldn't it? Right. So in the past, Levy has pushed for the bigger teams to have, you know, to get more of the spoils in terms of TV money. And, you know, this is the biggest push in that direction for years. Obviously, not all of the big six support it as strongly as United and Liverpool do. I think Arsenal, Chelsea and City have each got some of their own reservations. So I'm not saying it's it's certain that Levy is a full supporter of it, but I'm sure he could be. I, I can see why this would suit Tottenham. Also, just ima- as somebody said to me the other day, just imagine what it would do to the value of the club if uh, if Tottenham was suddenly in a position where their political power within English football was kind of locked in in a way that it's not at the moment. But let's wait and see. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen at the meeting today or whether these plans will ever go through. Um, The last thing I want to touch on today is international duty. Uh, So it's been a busy international break for England players. The, The biggest story really has been Harry Kane, who didn't start against Wales in England's first game last Thursday and then was expected to come back into the team against Belgium on Sunday, but missed out with delayed onset muscle soreness, which ruled him out just as a precaution, but he did come on for the last 10-15 minutes. And when Gareth Southgate was asked about this yesterday, he seemed kind of annoyed at the suggestion that there was a club versus country row, saying instead that it was just a precaution not to play Kane, he'd never risk players, Kane wasn't even injured, and he's fine. And I know it's you know this might be proven wrong, but it's currently... Wednesday, I'm going to the England-Denmark game at Wembley tonight and I'm expecting Kane to play. Um, guys, do you have an issue with Kane playing this game or would you, do you think it's a sort of fuss about nothing? I mean, if he was going to play one of the three games, uh, I, I guess logically you'd want it to be the first one, purely in terms of like his recovery for the West Ham game on Sunday. But um, I, I don't think Spurs can really have too many complaints about Kane's involvement in this international break given when we recorded last Monday we were worried that he would potentially play 270 minutes across the three matches that England played. So we can thank uh, the form of Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I suppose, for that. Yeah, so Kane played 24 minutes against Belgium and he did pretty well. Like he looked, 
he looked fine. And I think it's just a understandable precaution from Southgate. I think Southgate is very good at not overloading his players. Obviously, the calendar is ridiculous, but Southgate doesn't devise the calendar. And he did make sure to rest. Most of the players who played against Wales were not the ones who played in the Belgium and I imagine the Denmark game. Um, so I don't know. Like I'm not, I'm I'm not saying that Kane won't get injured at any point in the season. I think the, the the workload that the players have been put under is terrible. Like we've talked about that on the podcast before. But I don't really have an issue with his involvement in England or think that it's actually been handled at all wrong. Elsewhere, uh, Harry Winks played against Wales. I thought he was pretty good, but unfortunately for him, it does now seem like he's second choice behind Declan Rice and Jordan Henderson in the midfield two in England's new 3-4-3 system. Uh, Ben Davis played in that game. Uh, He gave Jack Grealish a good kick once or twice. Then then on Sunday, Eric Dyer and Toby Alderweireld both played. Um, Dyer gave away the penalty going... 1v1 against Lukaku. Um, he's a good athlete, but he's not as good as Lukaku, and he slid in. Tripped Lukaku up, gave the penalty away. Alderweireld gave away, or he deflected Mason Mount's shot into the goal for England's winner. And Sergio Reguilon played as Spain lost 1-0 to Ukraine last night. I don't know if that's a bad omen or not. Good that he was playing, because he went off at half-time in the Portugal game, and there was a bit of concern about an injury, but it uh, looks like he's fine, which is great news, given how well he started at Tottenham. Yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about that. I've seen the goal and uh, De Gea's footwork left a lot to be desired. Yeah, certainly. It was yeah, that it, it was really bad. And of course, as we mentioned earlier, Lacelso didn't play for Argentina uh, as he had that left thigh muscle which kept him out of the Manchester United game. So I'm look I'm hoping that he will be fully fit to return to the Spurs team yet because we still haven't seen I know we touched on this earlier, but we still haven't seen what I think is probably Spurs' best midfield, which is and Dombele, Hoybjerg, and Lacelso, which I'm dubbing the NHL midfield. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so good; it needs one of those monikers, like the MSN frontline. Yeah, we need to. I mean, I put this in a piece, like what the Bale, uh, Son, Kane um, acronym is going to be. BSK. It doesn't really work, does it? Uh, KBS. That no, sounds like a Korean pop group. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, or um, it sounds a bit, yeah, or a pharmaceutical firm. Yeah. Guys, if, if you're listening and come up with like one of these isn't shit, then tweet us and we'll use it. That's a promise. <laughs> I'm so not promising that's... I'm going to use it. Just, okay. just to be upfront about that. Well, BTS, that's the pop group I'm BTS, thinking. BTS, yeah, yeah. And GSK is the... And GSK, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Well, guys, it's, an, it's a low bar. See if you can clear it. Um, <laughs> that is pretty much all we've got time for this week. I just want to finish off by thanking producer Tom for sending us the number ones from the summer of 2007 so unfortunately the klaxons didn't make it i'm going to go through the ones from well june onwards because there's only a few and they are all if you're the if you're as old as we are then you remember all these songs very very well listeners so in june and july you've got umbrella then you've got the Way I Are by Timberland featuring Kerry Hilson DOE. I feel like these things sound much better being read out by you. You really added it to it. <laughs> I remember that song, but I, I didn't remember that Kerry Hilson DOE were featuring on it. Then you've got the brilliant Foundations by Kate Nash. My fingertips are holding onto the cracks in our foundation. Which unfortunately is not quite the number one for this week. It's the number one for the the, the weeks at the very start of the 2007-8 season, and then 
perhaps appropriately enough, you've got Stronger by Kanye West was the number one when Gareth Bale made his first Tottenham debut. I mean, those are great. I actually shouldn't. I researched this because this was the summer I met my wife. So in my speech at the wedding, I did actually research this. And I remember that umbrella. That was because uh, that was number one for ages, wasn't it? Yeah. The, yeah. the, the Rihanna featuring Jay-Z. I mean, wonderful, wonderful songs. And then Beautiful Girls by Sean Kingston uh, replaced uh, Stronger by Kanye West. I'm looking forward to hearing all of these when I listen to the podcast tomorrow. <laughs> if you're listening, Sean, great work. Yeah. Oh, my cool. God. <laughs> Plain White, he is, he is a subscriber. Uh, Plain White Tees, Hey There Delilah, replace that. Hey there, Delilah, don't you worry about the distance. Then About You Now, Sugar Babes. Can we bring yesterday back What a time to be alive. Well, uh, I, I mean, I was going to say that's all we've got time for this week. We probably should have wrapped it up a long time before this but uh, thank you very much listeners thank you James and Charlie thank you producer Tom uh, please tweet us in with any questions or any topics you want us to cover next week we will we will be back at our normal time next week where we will look back on the West Ham game and then forward to the LASK Linz game Spurs first game in the Europa League group stage uh, and then the trip to Burnley the following Monday all that it takes one more chance